Welcome to the Spirit Anointing the Word, the podcast of Highland Church, Jamaica, New York, with Pastor Subash Cherian. We're so glad to have you with us today, and we're excited about God's Word because it gives us strength and hope for each and every day. Let's listen as Pastor Subash shares this powerful message. Father, what a privilege, what a great responsibility yet to live in the last days and to witness the very book of Revelation unfolding before our eyes. And in these days that your word calls to the last of the last days, help us to be spirit-filled witnesses of the last days for Jesus Christ our Lord. Being impartial, without taking sides, not to be the voice of a nation or culture or party or ideology, but to become the voice of God, heralding, even as John the Baptist, the first coming, that we are a company that would herald the second coming of Jesus. That there is hope in Jesus our Lord. There is still salvation particularly in these days of the Gentile world, before unfolding, O oh God, this into a dispensation back to where you have promised the people of Israel. Now, Father, minister to us as people of God that we would understand the times in which we live, that we would use wisdom, understanding, and be spirit-filled with a double portion of the latter and the former rain, to be the witness of our Lord Jesus Christ to a dying world. Help us, O God, in the time where there is lukewarmness and sins, and when the love and faith of many are waxing cold, that you will draw us to be people, O God, would stand outright and to stand up to be able to speak your love, your grace to all people. I pray a special grace upon people that are here in person and the many, O oh God, that are watching online and in many other ways. Speak to us. May your words touch us and Holy Spirit touch every one of us and touch my own lips, I pray. And we give you glory and honor and praise. You're a healing God. You're a God that delivers people. You're a God, O oh Father, that saves people, that all who call upon the Lord Jesus shall be saved. We are grateful for that. We give you glory through Christ Jesus, our Lord. God's people said, Amen and Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. It is so good to be back home. You know, I'm on television in so many ways, online in many countries of the world, so just to shorten the time, I just want to go ahead and talk about what I have in my heart and particularly in these last of the last days. The Bible talks a whole lot about the last days and then the fulfillment you find, the commencement of what the great apostle Peter talks about it in the partial and what would be the commencement of the power of the Holy Spirit in the last days. And he said, this is that. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 15, that which was spoken, verse 16, that which was spoken by Joel. And he brings this passage from the book of Joel, and this is that simply is what Joel talked about four times. I know this word, the last days have been a wonderful message to speak and to be able to study and, and get to know about it. But I don't want to go into all of the books of the Bible that talk about it, just contained with a couple of books, and particularly the book of Joel, and then simultaneously reference to what Peter said with regard to what Joel had earlier talked about, and I will go into Acts chapter 2, and then in between go into a few passages here and there, like Matthew chapter 24, and also from Second. Timothy chapter 3, and then a reference to the Holy Spirit from John chapter 14 and chapter 16. 
That's about the scriptures, but I will refer over and over again to underscore the point, what I want to talk about. My theme again is to be the last day spirit-filled witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just again say that. My message this morning is the last day spirit-filled witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. The last day and the study of the last day is very important. There's so much of reference to it and very many prophets have talked about the last days. And the last days must be understood in the light of what would be the church age and in the realm of what the prophets had talked about. It's a twofold, but he did, they did talk about the last days of Israel. And so don't confuse the two. There is one that would be particularly about the days for Israel, the last days, and the days of the church. Just so we would understand, Israel has the last days, and that is so much not now. These are the times of the Gentiles. And when that wraps up, we must understand the program for the Lord is basically continuing on what he had put a freeze on and moved back to Israel. Now, so many, particularly in the evangelical world, are actually taking the last day of Israel day into what would be the Gentile age or the times of the Gentiles, confusing the whole thing. God has made a promise to Israel through Abraham and reiterated by David. He, the Father, will fulfill it. He does not need your help nor my help. But when it comes to the church age, we're talking the, the age of what the times, the last days of the, of the Israel era would, towards the end, would be just before the millennium. And after Jesus Christ, he defeats the enemies that are gathered against the people of Israel. And that would be much later when, don't confuse it at this point. And at that Armageddon, he would be defeating he would be a thousand years reign called the millennium years, and he will sit on the seat of his father David, and he would be king of kings and lord of lords. And Jerusalem, there will be peace in the valley. There'll be peace in Jerusalem. There'll be peace in the Middle East. Mr. Netanyahu or Mr. Trump or Mr. Biden is not that prince of peace. There's only one, and when the prince of peace will sit, then there will be peace. Don't be confused. No one else. No, no one else except our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Unfortunately, evangelicals move the past into the present and focusing so much on the present Israel era, which is yet to be, that funding after funding goes there all because they say we need to help Israel. God the Father is quite capable but what he wants us to be witnesses, and I wonder where the funds go when we should be witnessing for the Lord Jesus. We become so focused on Israel, we become anti-anything that is not Israel. We become anti-Muslims, anti-Arabs, anti-everything. We lift up the flag of Israel rather than the flag of Jesus Christ on the cross of Jesus Christ. My friend, there are nations battling Right or wrong, they know what they're doing. But as Christians, we stand center forth in the Word of God. Being a witnesses of the Holy Spirit, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jerusalem, keep moving on. To Judea, keep moving on. To Samaria, keep moving on. To the uttermost parts of the world. We're not simply talking about a white world or a black world or a brown world. We're not talking about just Jerusalem and Israel and Judea and Samaria, but all over, whether it be Africa or the continents of, of Asia or whether it be the Arab world or whether it be the Caribbean world or whether it be whatever world. We are to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ while I'm an American. But in a critical time called the last days, I speak not and not be a voice for America or the voice of God or the voice of Israel 
I want to be the voice of Jesus Christ, the voice of God. There's so many voices, the voice of the right-wingers, the voice of the Republicans, the voice of the Democrats, the voice of Islam, the voice of the concern for Israel, the voice of just about everybody, including India, Africa, and every other country. But in this critical structure, we need to be the voice of God, the voice of our Lord Jesus Christ, speaking love and peace. I want to say at the outset, no matter what takes place in the Middle East, we're called to be, like Jesus, a peacemaker. Not makers of pieces and brokenness. We're called to stand up and pray. For God said about his house, this house shall be called the house of prayer for one nation, all nations. And that nation includes Israel just as much as the Arab world. Just as much as the Christian world, just as much as the Hindu world, the Buddhist world, the communist world, the left-wing world, and whatever world there is. We must be the voice of God in this very critical time. So, rather than wave the flag of America or Israel or Gaza, we need to wave the flag of peace, the peacemaker, our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I have different perspective. You and I have different persuasion. You and I have different ideology. You and I have different nations and culture. But when it comes to God, we speak with one voice, the voice of Jesus Christ, and to give God, God glory, and that people will be saved. I know the voice coming all the way from San Antonio says there are certain segment of people saved without accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Let me tell you, whether it be for Christians, nominal, Hindus, Muslims, Jews, atheists, there's one way to be saved, and there is no other way except the name of Jesus. And I want you to understand this is not coming out of any sense of pride, but a sense of humility to say, Every one of us tried our way until we came to the truth of Jesus. I'm going to say this when we talk about the last days. Let me just confine myself to one book, and that is the book of Joel, because he speaks about the last days. And then, of course, I will talk about Peter picking up on that and referencing it in his sermon on the commencement of that last days and what happens. So there are five or six places you find in Joel, more than that. And there's so much I said, mentioned about the last days referenced by the prophets talking about those last days. The last days for Israel is one thing. The last days for the church is totally to do with the church age and what we do before Jesus Christ comes. That we must be the voice and witness of the Lord Jesus Christ and that's why the Holy Spirit has come upon us. And so when we talk about the last days, just listen to what Joel says. And I'm reading from Joel chapter 1, verse 15, Joel chapter 2, and verse 11, Joel chapter 2, and verse 31, Joel chapter 3, verse 14, Joel chapter 3, and verse 18. And one in between is Joel chapter 2 and verse 1. So six in all for now. Joel chapter 1 and verse 15. Alas for the day. For the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from all Almighty shall come. Joel chapter 2 and verse 11. And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for he is strong that executed his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who, and who can abide it? Joel chapter 2 and verse 21. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and terrible day of the Lord to come. Chapter 3, verse 14. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision.
Joy chapter 2 and verse 1. Blow the trumpets in blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountains. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. Joel chapter 3 and verse 18. And it shall come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drop down new wine, and the hills shall flow with milk, and all the rivers of Judah shall flow with waters, and a fountain shall come forth out of the house of the Lord, and shall water the valley of Shittim. The last message I talked about, greater is that water, that river that comes from the throne of God, that water of the Holy Spirit that comes from beneath the door of the temple in chapter 47, Ezekiel. I want to say what the Lord Jesus Christ referenced to what Revelation chapter 22, verse 1, and Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 1 says. In John chapter 7 and verse 38, out of your innermost being shall flow, shall flow, shall flow, shall flow, reverse of living water. Let it flow. Let it flow that it would touch lives. Where there is unrest, may there be peace and rest. Where there is sickness, may there be healing. May there be, where there is demonic activity, let there be deliverance flowing from that river that flows out. Where there is loss, pain, let there be joy and restoration. And where there is lives that are lost, may there be salvation. That river that flows from the very innermost parts of our being points to none else but the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to say in the context of what we are doing today, I was in the Middle East and then I was in India, and I have to say the unrest is real. It has been almost a wonderful climax of what would be peace. A peace between Israel and Saudi Arabia. In fact, I, pers I heard the voice of MSB, the young prince who's bringing so much of progress in that nation and moving towards a friendliness towards Israel. And so too with General Sisi and Egypt. And so too with the wonderful king in UAE and particularly in Dubai. Nations were coming together in the midst of all this mix. Comes the terrorist Hamas and ISIS. All of them are of the same, made of the same cloth. Unfortunately, Israel is learning a lesson like America. We funded Al-Qaeda. We funded Al-Qaeda. And they funded Hamas and ISIS. They won't admit it, and we won't admit our role. But like some, someone said, the chickens have come home to roost. You start something wrong, it's always to come back to you. In the case of Mr. Netanyahu, he was so focused on removing what would be the courts and all of the situation and in the midst of what would be a wonderful time, what was so much worked with the cooperation of the American department, the previous and today present to bring about this peace, understand there's always miscreants or terrorists that basically will do everything to destroy this peace. And so Hamas strikes, just like the Amalekites, when you least know. They strike in the back. Unfortunately for Mr. Netanyahu, he was warned. He was warned by General Sisi and his chief security men that Hamas is making its way and they're going to cause destruction. Mr. Netanyahu didn't take that warning to heart. He put what would be the difference from the Gaza and moved them into the West Bank because there were the settlers moving in and they needed more protection, leaving 
Gaza open. Like America, they trusted invincibility of man's ingenious power and might. Our system, our wire security system, like we trusted our financial system and that came tumbling down in Manhattan. Like we trusted so much our Pentagon and that came down. It didn't take rocket scientists to do that. 19, just ordinary young men filled with hate moved in and they accomplished what we would never have thought, destroying our technology, our brain, and what we did not do was we didn't trust in God. We depended on our own ingenuity and our own power. Mr. Netanyahu did that. In fact, he just said, no one could beat our sophisticated system. We have a massive weaponry that could secure and destroy everything. And just like the 19 people that came in and destroyed the greatness of all that we build and came in a shamble, Hamas came in, which is unbelievable, and shamed Mr. Netanyahu. He was too busy trying to change the judicial system and taking away armed forces from Gaza and moved them into West Bank for personal reasons, of course, to protect the settlers. And in the midst of it, the reaction is exactly like President Bush did. We knew at that point Saudi Arabia is changing. 19 of those guys were from Saudi Arabia, nobody from Iraq. In fact, Iraq was a stooge boy doing our work in Iran at our own disposal. And yet, at the beck and call of a nation, that wanted to destroy Syria and Iraq. They were both founded by Ba'ath Party. Ba'ath Party was founded by Christians. Keep that in mind. So they would not be highly contagiously Islamist. And these are the nations that we are run after, where Christians could worship in peace, where women could be uncovered and dressed well, and they were smart like Iran during the days of Shah, we failed him. And what did we do? Instead of chasing the fox, we ran then after the rabbits. Not one of those 19 people was Iraqis, but we ran after Iraq, saying weapons of mass destruction. That wasn't a weapon of mass destruction. And when what happened in 9-11 brought sympathy from around the world, a year later, there was a hate towards America for the action we did. Millions of life ruined, plundered, Christians persecuted, ISIS came on the scene because that hate begets hate. Mr. Netanyahu could have had an opportunity because you have to deal with Hamas. But in dealing with Hamas, he's basically bombing Gaza. Not all the Muslims are Hamas or ISIS. Not all the Jews are extremists. Not all the Christians are extremists. Not all Hindus are extremists. Not all Buddhists are extremists. Not all people are extremists. There are good people among all faith and bad people as well. But in doing what he did, Mr. Bush created such a hatred. Unfortunately, that is what Mr. Netanyahu is doing. I understand KKK is a dangerous extremist organization. So if I say they are in South Carolina, I'm not going to bomb the whole South Carolina. I got to identify the enemy and then be able to mark them. Because if you have the most sophisticated army, the most sophisticated weapon, the most sophisticated system that you can even read the, uh, the underwears from where it was manufactured, Mr. Saddam Hussein, you certainly could find out where the Hamas were, rather than destroying the whole place, like we did when we invaded, when we broke into Iraq and brought misery. Even today, people are suffering. So this opportunity where people would come in peace, has literally 
broken. Saudi Arabia, very open, is now reluctant. It has hurt Mr. Sisi of Egypt and the UAE and people across the Islamic world are inflamed because they are seeing in their picture what's taking place. Hamas is a terrorist organization. It's a horrible organization like the ISIS. But where were the Christians when ISIS killed so many in the Middle East? Where are the Western evangelicals running all the way and raising the flag of America? I don't see any of them running there when Christians were slaughtered in the continents of Africa and the Middle East. Is it only a one-sided sympathy? We wave the flag of one nation and do not care for other nation. What would Jesus do? His heart is a heart of love. He's a peacemaker, not breaking into pieces of lives that are already destroyed. Pray for Israel. Pray for the Arab world. But I pray. Pray for the Christians in many Islamic world. There are extremists killing them. Pray for the Christians in Israel. Believe you me, they're not accepted wholeheartedly. There's extremists pitch at them and accuses them and takes away their property. Pray for the Christians everywhere. They are being persecuted. Pray for the Christians. But pray, please pray for Israel and the Jews around the world. In the same token, pray for the people of Gaza and the people of the Islamic faith and Arab nations across the world. As Christians, we are called to pray and be, let me say this again, from the Beatitudes, peacemakers. Not breaking into our own personal ideology and I'm going to support that, I'm going to support this, I'm going to support because I'm white, I'm going to support because I'm black, I'm supposing because I'm brown. No, my friend, in Christ Jesus, there's no color and there's no culture. We belong to the family of God first and foremost. It is tragic. The Amalekites will always attack when we least expect. But we need to identify it's the Amalekites. And that's what Moses did. And that's what he did when he went up to pray with Aaron and Ur. And that's what Joshua did in singling these Amalekites. We need to single out those that are miscreant terrorists and literally isolate them. But not everybody else. Others don't have to suffer. They're already suffering. They're already victimized. They don't need to be killed. Their children killed. I know Hamas is ruthless. That's what they are, just like ISIS. But that does not mean that we kill all the Arabs. I met some great people from all background and religion. And I've also met some worst people. The only difference is there are savages, and then there are savages that wear suits and tie. But they are both savages when they have hate in their heart. I want you to understand we're living in the last days. You may say, what do you mean the last days? Let me tell you one of the signs of the last days. From the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 6, there is wars and rumors of wars. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Let me say this, but the end is not yet. There will be an end, and I'll tell you when. And it's incumbent on us before the end comes. Not on nations of the world. We're failing the Lord. There will come an end, but this is not the end. It's only the beginning. And we need to keep our ears open. When you hear, when you see signs in the sky, when you see things happening in the world, the devastation and conflagrations, no, the end 
is near, but not the end yet. In fact, Paul is writing to the young pastor Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 to 5. What he says, this also know that in the last days perilous times, perilous times shall come. And how did he describe these perilous times? In verse 2 he goes on to say, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. I don't want to explain this because USA government will knock me down. Because it's a very touchy issue. And goes on to say, covetous, bolsters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Verse 3 goes on to say, without natural affection, truce breakers, read my lips, you won't have taxes. It simply means you will be taxed more. False accusers, incontinent, fierce, despise of those that are good. We hate good and we have made the bad good examples. Goes on to say in verse 4, traitors, heady, high-minded lovers of precious more, more, more than the lovers of God. You could put the word F, Jesus, into any classrooms in America, but don't say, I love Jesus. That's not permissive. You can sing any foul-mouthed songs, but don't sing the praise of God or the Lord Jesus. Goes on to say in verse 5, having a form, a ritual, a religion, form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such, from such turn away. You know, going on to what we find in the book of Matthew, and reading in chapter 24, listen to the words of the Lord Jesus when his disciples asked him about when shall these things be. Chapter 24 and verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of the coming and of the end of the world? Tell us. We're curious. And Jesus said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. I cannot tell you how horrible the situation is. I'm not talking about a secular, humanistic Christian world. I'm not simply talking about some sort of Christians. I'm telling you what's taking place in the Christian charismatic spiritual churches. The gifts have been abused. Every form of things just so that they could have their plane and money and fly in style. Every gift is abused. It's not that the, that the Holy Spirit is using them. They want to use the Holy Spirit and the name of Jesus for their personal gain. It's their kingdom, not the kingdom of God. It's all about them. And then Jesus, our Lord, goes on to say, Many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ and shall deceive many. Many years ago, there wasn't in social media, people flocked in to see miracles. I believe miracles. I believe God can raise the dead. I believe Jesus Christ can heal the sick. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe the Holy Spirit can raise people from dead. I believe the Holy Spirit can deliver people through the name of Jesus. But you know what? He doesn't need manipulations of men. Rules and tricks and all sorts of things where people come are paid to do some tricks. Jesus is not glorified. They get money for that. It is a sacrilege, it's a blasphemy when the people do such thing to gain popularity or money. Those who are before the social media, now when you turn to social media, they're being exposed. The same person who got her hands dislocated, a controversist is able to do it again and again, people are watching the whole social media and saying, my goodness, this guy was raised dead in this place and now he's raised from the dead. Same guy raised five times over by some evangelists in different countries. And they pay these people to travel in first class to do this. Where people are hoodwinked, not anymore. It's a social media. All these words that come out, 
You're going to have a big business. You're going to be a millionaire. You're going to be the king, my friend. How much more can you pump you up and then say you are the almighty God? That's not what the Holy Spirit's about. He's come to make you a witness of the Lord Jesus. You shall hear, number six, years of hear of wars and rumors of wars and see that you be not troubled for all these things must come to pass for the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nations, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be, that's what we're seeing today, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places. All these are not the end, but the beginning of sorrow. Wherever you go, there is sorrow because people have been devastated, pained, hit, and so many ways, in so many ways, whether in the natural or acts of man, or even from nature. When you see the next one, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and, shall be, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. I've never seen this. I grew up in India. And I'm not saying for all of Hindus, but there is those that are so extreme. They persecute the minority. Churches and pastors, they have been inflamed I can't believe it happened. I, I would think it was ISIS in, in the Middle East. It's happening. It's happening everywhere. You can't go anywhere without being insulted for your faith. And you think it's not so in America? The conservatives, as a Christian, as you stand up, you're going to be persecuted. You won't get a job if you say, I believe in God, I believe in creation, particularly creation. Because two of our members of the church were knocked off from their job. We're not talking about the socialist China, communist China, or Russia. And then, verse 10, many shall be offended and shall betray one another, and they shall hate one another. We're living in a day of betrayal and hate. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. We're talking about people who are of the faith will be deceived. Listen to what it says in verse 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Iniquity is abounded, it is accepted, it is part of our vocabulary, is unfortunately made a lot of people cold. But he that shall endure unto the end shall be saved. I'll tell you when the end will come. I want to tell you when the end will come. Now let the Lord Jesus Christ say when the end will come. Verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom must be preached in all the world for a witness unto the nations. And then, and then shall the end come. God is not willing that any should perish. Jew, Gentile, communist, or Christian so-called. No matter what persuasion, God is not willing any should perish, but who will hear? How shall they hear? Those that have been spirit-filled witnesses of Jesus in the last days. Yes, there will be wars and rumors of wars. Yes, iniquities will abound and the faith and the love of many will be waxed cold, but that's not the end. In the midst of all of this deception and lies and wars and hate and betrayal, and in the midst of people losing their faith and losing their love, will be people who will say, Jesus is coming soon. I want to make a difference. I want to stand and be the voice of God. I can't do it by myself. I'm not capable. And God tells you, you can through the power of the Holy Spirit. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness. When these things take place, God is going to speak to you, spirit to spirit, and you're going to say, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to stand up and be the voice of Jesus. That the gospel of the kingdom must be preached here, there, everywhere, and to be witnessed. And once the world will hear the gospel, 
then shall the end come. The end is not coming tomorrow. We haven't been faithful in preaching the gospel. People must hear, whether it be Israel, Casa, Arab world, the so-called Christian world, or the so-called communist world, or the Hindu world, or whatever world, they must hear the gospel of the kingdom. And who shall tell them? How blessed are the feet of them that go out to preach the gospel. And in these days, one of the things we realize, you shall receive power. How? To make money, to build your kingdom? No. You shall be my witnesses. My witnesses. Jesus' witness. That's what the Father wants us to be. So I want you to know something very important. When you think in terms of these last days, yes, for the church it is going to be these last days, the only opportunity the world will have while it is still called the times of the Gentile. Don't confuse. The time of what would be the promise to Israel is yet to come. That is the Father. He can take care of it. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need your money. He is capable of taking care of his promise. But he needs you and me to preach the gospel in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the world. Don't confuse the two. The plan for today, the heart of God for today, is the last of the Gentiles will hear the gospel. And of course, there are many Jewish people coming to the Lord. But when the entire thing is wrapped up, then that's frozen what was the Gentile age. And then he goes back to what he made a promise to Abraham and reiterated to David. That is the father's responsibility, not ours. And I'll explain that. So what exactly would Joel be talking about? Let me say this. When you read Joel, a couple of things come to hand. The first things you must understand is two different programs, and yet they are the last days. One is for the millennium, a thousand years reign of Christ, and then that would be all of the enemies of what would be at that time, not now, would be destroyed. That comes again Israel. That is not right now. But at the same time, before he comes, the opportunity for his people to rise up while iniquities prevail, there would be love of many would be waxed forth, faith will be destroyed, but yet there would be people with faith willing to stand up and they're willing to sound the alarm and sound the voice and to herald like John the Baptist. He heralded the first coming, but there's a company of people far greater that will herald the second coming of Jesus. Everybody must hear. Our neighbors must hear. We must talk to everyone. So coming to Joel... The first thing I want you to understand that he tells us, number one, what then shall we do? While he speaks in context, the prophet speaks duel first to the Old Testament, but he's also referenced the New Testament saints. So the first thing he tells us is found in Joel chapter 2 verse 1. Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord cometh. It is so close. It means for you and for me to sound the trumpet and say the days are coming to an end. This may be the last opportunity you get. We're not asked to teach the whole council. We're asked to just talk about Jesus. A witness doesn't go in and give a whole book or a whole chapter, he says, yes, I testify Jesus is Lord. I've seen him. I attest that he saves. I attest that he heals. I attest that he delivers. I attest that he is Lord and he is the Savior. That's all. Stand up like Marie Santiago does it in the midst of the train and said, here, here, Jesus is Lord. Or silently touch a person in the name of Jesus Christ and let the healing water flow. Let the word of wisdom flow. Let the word of knowledge flow. Let the word of God bring miracles, healing, prophecy, and whatever God does. Don't forget the gift 
is, con is combined with the fruit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, temperance, all of this, and faith. That is important. And he goes on to say in verse 2, Blow the trumpet, why? A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, as the morning spread upon mountains, a great people and strong, they have not even be the like, neither shall any more after it for the, for the years of many generations. Now he's talking about a fire devoured. From now on, understand the old fathers in our days didn't understand what it means. Today we know what these high-function bombs and, and uh, weapons of mass destructions are. He goes on to say, a fire devoured before them, and behind them a flame burned. The land is the garden of Eden before them, and behind them desolate wilderness, yet nothing shall escape them. It just takes a little nuclear in a suitcase to destroy the whole city. And if it should happen, did you speak to others? You know where we are going. We are going to the Lord. One way or the other, to be here is with the Lord. Uh, the Lord is with us. Whether we leave, we are with the Lord forever. But what about the others? He goes on to say, The appearance of them, in verse 4, is as the appearance of horses, and horses, so shall they run. These are the war machines. Like the noise of chariots, and the tops of mountains shall they leap. Like the noise of flame of fire, they throw such fire. And devouring the stubble as strong people set in a battery array. Before their face, the people shall be much pain. The faces shall gather blackness. They shall run like mighty men. They shall climb the wall like men of war. They shall march. Neither shall they trust one another, and so goes on to say, they shall run to and fro in verse 9, from city and children upon the wall. Verse 10, the earth shall quake before them, the heaven shall tremble, the sun and the moon, sh and, and shall be dark. And the Lord shall utter his voice. This is the day of the Lord is great and terrible. Who can abide it? That's number one. Number two, repent and call upon the Lord. It says it in verse 13, Rend your heart and not your garments. Turn unto the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repent him of the evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and turn a blessing behind, and even meat offering and a drink offering even unto the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, Call a solemn assembly. I know the prayer warriors did it last night. And we need to do it so often. Goes on to say, Gather the people, verse 16. Sanctify the congregation, the elders and the children and those that suck breast and let the bridegroom go forth. And this is a time to pray and seek God. Verse 17, pastors and priests and ministers of the Lord shall weep between the porch of the altar. Let them say, spare, spare, spare thy people, O Lord. O Lord, give not thine heritage reproach that the heathens will rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, where, where is our God? Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Yea, the Lord will answer saying, behold, I will send you corn. Verse 20, I will remove from you the northern army. Verse 21, fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Verse 22, be not afraid. Verse 23, I want you to listen carefully what the Lord will do. This is the climax that would, uh, would be the climax of my message. It says, be glad, O children of Zion, rejoice. For the Lord has given you the former rain moderately, but he will cause to come down for you the former and the latter rain, latter rain in the first month. In other words, thank God for the commencement of Pentecost on the day of Pentecost, the church beginning. But now in these last days, it's going to be so terrible that he's giving us the former and the latter rain. Like Elisha sought from Elijah a double portion. And Elisha said, if you're willing to do what I tell you, you will. And then finally, as he saw Elisha lifted as Jesus Christ is lifted, raised and ascended up to the Father, 
He saw the mantle fall. Remember Jesus said, our Lord said in 24 of Luke and verse 49, Wait until we endure clothed with power from on high. And here is Elias saying, The mantle, my father, the man, my father, the mantle comes. And he clothed himself after beating it on the water and put it on. And he was anointed by that mantle. Endure! Till you be endured with the power, clothed with the power from on high. A double portion he wanted. A double of what Elijah did. It was granted to him. The last day generation must have a double portion for the hour in which we live. And listen to what it says here. There will be so much. Be glad. The floors, verse 24, will be full of wheat. Verse 25, I believe in this. God says, I will restore to you the years, the locusts have eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great, great army which I send among you. There's going to be a mighty restoration. Goes on to say in verse 26, you shall eat in plenty. And verse 27, you shall know that I'm in the midst of Israel. I'm in the midst of you. Now, there's something very important I want you to understand. This is where I want to head to. Joel is talking about what the prophets have been talking about. Joel takes time to explain what will happen in the last days. Not only all of which I had mentioned before, but now he comes to this so amazing passage, and he speaks about it in verse 28 and verse 29. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. These are days when sons and daughters will prophesy. Don't count out the old men. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Prophesy, dream, vision. We need that in this day. In this day, the word must be prophesied, spoken forth for God. In these days, we must be able to be dreamers and visionaries. That's what God's going to do. Not simply what would be the patriarchs or the leaders or the pastors and the ministers. He goes on to say in verse 29, And upon the servants and upon the handmaidens in those days will I pour out my spirit. What God is saying is there is two aspects of what is taking place in the last days. It's going to be judgment, and it's going to be a blessing. It's going to be a blessing, and it's going to be darkness. In the midst of darkness, like Isaiah said in chapter 60, verse 1 and 2, great darkness, yet the glory of the Lord does shine. Darkness and glory shall shine. What he's saying is incredible. He says in the natural there's going to be calamities. He says, and I will show wonders in heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillar of smoke. You can understand all of the explosion, the bombings that takes place from earth and then from heaven. The sun shall turn into darkness and moon into blood before the great, before the great, before the great and terrible day of the Lord to come. And there's something going to happen. It shall come to pass in the midst of all of this. Blessing the Holy Spirit. Blessing. There will be dreams and vision in darkness and on servants and handmaids. I will pour out my spirit. But while this takes place, darkness and yet I want you to understand how he concludes, and it shall come to pass, it shall come to pass, in verse 32. And that whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered or saved. And Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 says, Whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 13 says, and they will be saved by the, what they say. And it says, and who shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Exactly what Paul is talking from this passage. But I want to move fast into Acts before I close. And in Acts chapter 2, on the day of, commence, of the day of Pentecost, the commencement of what would be the last days. 
And now towards the end, what we are living is the last of the last days. If they needed the power of God's soul, he said, we need a double portion. Seek the Lord for a double portion. We need it. We need it. We need the power of the Holy Spirit as never before. We cannot function. Now, you and I may be thinking, oh, the pastor needs the power of the Holy Spirit. My friend, you need the Holy Spirit as well. What he says in verse 17 and verse 18, it shall come to pass in the last days. Joel said afterwards, and Peter through the Holy Spirit says, it shall come to pass in the last days. What happens? It says, said the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall dream, see vision, and your old men shall dream dreams. Verse 18, and my servants, where before it was servants, he says, my servants, and my handmaids, a little different from what Joel said, and on my servants and on my handmaids will I pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall speak forth, prophesy forth, and speak out. And then he talks about blessing in the midst of darkness, just like Joel. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor. That did not take place after the Acts of the Apostle. It's going to take place before Jesus Christ comes. He goes on to the sun shall be turned into darkness and moon into blood before the great and terrible notable day of the Lord to come. It shall come to pass in the midst of all of this, it shall come to pass that whoso shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Who? Who told them? The last day. In the midst of coldness. In the midst of iniquities. In the midst of wars. In the midst of destruction. Are a people that's going to kneel down and repent. Are people that's going to say, Lord, spare your people, O God. We're done if you would not. And God says, I will pour out my spirit. Upon you, upon you, and I won't forget even my servants and my handmaid. You might say the Holy Spirit is only meant for preaching, yes, but more. To be able to function in the work of the ministry, but also in the work of the church. On my handmaids and my servants, I will pour, what do you mean? In what you do, the Spirit of God came in the Old Testament and left. The Spirit of God came. Not only just Moses and, and David and Samuel, but even that man who built the architectural beautiful design in the temple, the Holy Spirit will not only come to enunciate and speak the word, but also in doing what you're doing to the finest, that you will show forth this praise in what you do. So you're a doctor, you're going to be a spiritual doctor. You're an engineer, you're going to be a spirit. You're going to be a doorkeeper, you're going to be a spiritual doorkeeper. Whatever you do, you are going to be a spiritual because the Holy Spirit is going to do. You need to clap your hands for this. If you're going to be a businessman, you're going to be a spiritual businessman excelling. And people say, how? The Lord, the glory. How do you succeed in the midst of darkness? God and He alone. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. I mentioned earlier that we tend to feel we must be one-sided. I'm not trying to drag politics into this because the moment we try to bring culture and politics our own preferences, we destroy the things of God. You're entitled to keep your opinion, your aspect of culture, country, color, as long as it does not divide the kingdom of God. The enemy will divide the black and the brown and the white Christians, the western zone and the eastern zone, the southern zone and the northern zone. But God is bringing people together. God is bringing people together. Let no one divide what God has joined together. Can you say amen? But this is God's plan. Everyone has their own culture, their own party, their own country, their own language, their own people. And the disciples too. And they have every reason. 
So when the Lord Jesus Christ, before he ascended, Acts chapter 1 and verse 6, they had a big concern. You read them saying, when they therefore come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? God made a promise to Abraham, reiterated to David, the father did. You know your father did not do that. Your pastor didn't do that. But the father did. They're concerned, are you going to restore? And Jesus is saying, our Lord is saying to them as he's speaking to us. I'll first read the Bible and I'll tell you bluntly in modern language what it means. In verse 7, he said, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father had put in his power. It's none of your business, boys. It's the Father's prerogative. Don't mess it up. It's none of your business. The Father will take care of what he promised. He doesn't want your help. He doesn't want your muscle. He doesn't want your dime. It is the Father. He will do it. So what are we supposed to do? Verse 8. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. Yeah, in Jerusalem. Yeah, in Israel. God said, just move on to Judah. Yeah, Judah. Keep moving to Samaritans. Oh, I don't like the Samaritans. Preach and tell about Jesus. And then don't just say Samaritans because you've fallen in love with them that you once hated, but keep moving to the rest of the world. That includes the Arab world. That includes Africa. That includes the Spanish world. That includes the Western world. That includes the Asian world. My goodness, it includes everybody that are living today. Can you say amen? And they received the Holy Spirit and they moved. What if Thomas had said, I'm not going. Thank God he went to India. Thank God for the others who went to Africa. Thank God for the others. Everyone of the Jewish. By the end of the day, the church was beyond Jews. There were Gentiles. Beyond the people in power and position, there were the slow slaves that became free, and they were. When you look at the patriarch fathers, no more the Jews. It was Gentiles, but yet the love of God in their heart. What I want you to understand is something very important. The Lord Jesus Christ, before he left, he said in John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, he talks about in the last days, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comfort and he shall abide with you forever. And then he goes on to say in verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it see him not. John chapter 16, and when you read verse 7, he goes on to say, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient that I go away, for if I go not away, the comfort will not come. Chapter 16, and when you read verse 13, listen to what he says. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you to all the truth. I'll close with this. These are the last of the last days. If they needed the Holy Spirit then, we need him doubly more. And I mentioned in my messages before, our Lord Jesus Christ said, out of the innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. You're going to see that water flow and you don't need to be a Billy Graham or a Benny Hinn. You are just you. But what made the difference is the Holy Spirit is upon you. It doesn't matter where you do, where you go. It doesn't matter what you do. Don't think it's just the pastors. You have the Holy Spirit. Keep moving and let the Spirit of God flow touching lives, bringing salvation, bringing an anointing, bring deliverance. You, you, you who love the Lord, who are repenting and seeking the Lord and asking Lord, Lord, help me. I want to be a witness. It's going to be cold. Iniquities will abound. The faith of many will be lost and love of many will be waxed. But in the midst of it, there'll be people standing up to say, it's a great privilege to see the revelation unfold before us. Oh, 
Oh, what an awesome responsibility. They will begin to speak. The end will come. When? Let's read Matthew together. Shall we stand? And read Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14. Do you have a part in that? Let's read this together. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Then shall the end come. Lord, say, Lord, count me in. I want to be the preacher of the gospel. Not only in what I say, but in what I do. That everything would be that people will come to Jesus. I pray for your people today. And right this moment, Lord, I'm praying for people who have this pain. Deep down on the, right, on the left side. Palpitation, heart situation, you are healed in Jesus' name. The side of the head all the way going to the shoulder. You are healed right now and there's someone there watching us. You're not a Christian, but you're turning your heart to the Lord. God is going to make you a witness, a powerful witness. Sit at the feet of the Lord, study the word, pray, and know that the Holy Spirit will guide you and call you to be a witness for Jesus. There are people that are going to be used in touching lives. Don't have to go in and teach them the whole counsel of God. Just speak the name of Jesus. See deliverance flow and demons destroyed. And see the power of God being manifested. God is using you, not you, but the power in you. Not you, but the water that flows like river touching life. And when people say, how could it be? Just say, it is Jesus for his glory. Glory be to God the Father in Jesus' name. The last days, be prepared. And we are ready to be the heralders of the second coming of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that you've been encouraged by the word of the Lord. To learn more, please visit our website, highlandny.org, or our Facebook page, Highland Church, New York. Until next time, may God richly bless you.